<laughs> Hello and welcome to the very first podcast of The Mundane. I'm Shell and here's just a space that I want to create where I can have conversations with a bunch of guests just on life and its complexities in hopes of bringing beauty and redemption to the mundane. And I'm here right now with Chloe. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So I haven't actually got to talk to you about this. This is the very first time that we're talking about this. Uh, I think I've heard you mention things about your faith. I know you went to a really conservative Christian college. Yeah, I did. So Very similar to yours. Yeah, yeah. How was that experience, and were you... Like, was that more what molded your faith? Was being at the college, or was it was it established before, and then after you went to Concordia? Can I say that? Yeah, you can say Concordia. Concordia. <laughs> say like, wait. Irvine, California. Um, <clears throat> I would say that it was established before, but I mean, I'm not gonna take away the fact that going to a religious school definitely helped shape some things that I you know, hadn't quite worked out from mm. when I was younger and stuff. Just yeah. college will do that, but yeah. especially going to a conservative Christian college had an effect on the way that I kind of view religion and mm. faith and stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm still kind of, like, working through it all, but I'm actually pretty grateful that I got to go through that experience because mm. it kind of just helped really see many different things. Mm. So, yeah, I guess... So I went in, <coughs> excuse me, I went in, I grew up Lutheran, mm-hmm. which is um, a part of Christianity, and my mom actually started the Lutheran church up in our hometown, Big Bear. Oh, I know, yeah. she did a really good job, she's always been, you know, a very good Christian woman, mm. she grew up um, with faith, and she's carried and it throughout her life. And when you say Christian woman, what do you mean by that phrase? So, when I think of a good Christian woman, I think of somebody like my mom, who she reads her Bible, and she goes to church, mm. and she's an active member of our church. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it consumes her, um, but it is a huge part of her life, mm. and, you know, she's always, th- God is always on her mind, and mm-hmm. just, like, what she can do right by God, and by the Christian faith and as a good Christian. Um, so I definitely grew up around it, but the counterpart was my dad, who actually went to seminary to study to be a pastor and then dropped out because he mm. decided he didn't want that, and wow. he dropped all of his faith. So, wow. yeah, it was actually something that even though I knew, I saw my mom be a part of it, she didn't force us to be a part of it because I think that influenced of, from my dad kind of like showed her mm. like you you shouldn't force yeah. it on anybody so that was really cool um but I went to church growing up but I never saw church as like going to church to worship God I always saw church this is so weird as so much just more of an activity mm. and my favorite part about going to church was the setup so I would always like set up the podium and I'd yeah. set up the wine for communion and I would always hang out with the little old ladies and get everything yeah. ready and put every the little um, pamphlets. Yeah. And I just loved that part. Like which sweet I, rituals. Yeah, yeah. It was never about... I would actually sometimes fall asleep during church. <laughs> during the <laughs> okay, sermon. Okay, who hasn't though? Where you're like nodding in agreement. Yeah. Like, hey, Amen. <laughs> 
exactly. Exactly. Oh I love that. <laughs> Snoring through it. Oh um, my god. Um, I guess I didn't get more <clears throat> I guess I didn't really pay attention to the deeper parts of Christianity and faith, you know, questioning where we came from and what it means to be a good person on this earth until high school mm. when I dated somebody who was just obsessed with being an atheist. Mm. You know, when you're you know when you're in high school yeah. and you're really passionate. Yeah. Well he was really yeah. passionate. Yeah, yeah, it's like the formative time where you start you're you're no longer what your parents raise you to exactly. be Exactly. And you're thrown into okay, I can be anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Terrible. you throw everything, you throw yeah. your whole self into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, no tea, no shade towards him f- yeah. for doing that. It's just it, his thing just so happened to be being an atheist. Okay. And I dated him for three years. Okay. So. That's going to influence your formative yeah. time. How old were you? Um, I went to high school really young. So I was 14 to 17, I dated him. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was just something that he made me see a lot of negativity in Christianity. Mm. So when I went into college, even though I decided to make the choice to go to Concordia, Mm -hmm. I was just like, yeah, but I'm not going to like it because Mm. they're going to be all Christian and blah, 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 blah. What was the negativity that he would kind of show to you in that space? Well, he only ever showed me the Christians that were negative towards anything that wasn't Christianity. Mm, you know what I mean? People, yeah. people who, you know, hate gay people. People mm. who are terrible to their children, beat their children into mm. submission. Like, physically and emotionally beat their mm-hmm. children into submission, into believing in something that they may or may not believe in. You know, and just, like, that whole idea blew our minds. And then he actually was the first person who made me think, like, well, if you don't believe in God... Where do you think we came from? Mm. But I think I was too young to kind of think about it. Oh, what a wild question. Yeah, I mean, I'm really grateful to him for that. Yeah. I mean, you know, despite our other relationship stuff. Yeah. Like, I'm really grateful. That's a huge question to ask. Yeah. When did you first think about that? Oh, my goodness. Actually, so my background is I was raised in a very conservative Christian culture as well. Um, And it was, I think, beyond what... A, a normal definition of Christianity would be it was it was to the cult genre of yeah. describing and I know I've shared some of this already with you but um it was crazy a year ago I had a professor who grew up in a conservative Christian uh I guess environment similar to me and he shared he shared his story in such a way that I vicariously couldn't help but follow him and his story and he was talking about how Christianity had hurt him so much Mm. and I had been hearing this over and over again and my mother just raised me to be to to, to look for love in things and I hadn't seen love perfected in the Christianity that I had surrounded myself Mm. with in in, in any area And, and from ranging from the cult to like the most, you know, like, liberal, casual churches, I I hadn't seen love truly rise up. It was always an act, a show, a performance. Yeah. And and it was almost like a safety net for people to say, you know what, like, I'm not going to hell. And 
And I didn't feel like that was anything close to answering the void I felt within me. Like a fallback, yeah. Yeah, and so when my professor was talking about all of this and just saying that, you know, there's no God, you find peace. He was just saying you found peace. That's it. Like, what is the peace that you find in knowing the truth and being aware? So he inspired me to read a bunch of Albert Camus books. Mm. And so I read Myth of Syphysis and the Stranger. Um, And so the Myth of Syphysis, um, I don't know if many people know of it, but it's an incredible book. Camus... Syphysis was a Greek legend, or I think a... Mm-hmm. Oh, man. If I, if I am butchering this, forgive me, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to I want to act uh, represent this well, but he was cursed. Mm-hmm. He was punished to carry a giant stone up a hill, and, at the, and it would take all, him all day, labor all day, and at the sunset... He'd take it to the very top, and it would roll right back down the hill. And he'd have to oh, go yeah. down and do it. Yeah, you've heard, heard of it? this story. Yeah. yeah. And so the myth of Syphysis and Camus' view is that Syphysis was initially thought to be punished. Mm-hmm. But, but Camus said, Syphysis is our hero because he found acceptance. And the myth is that it wasn't a punishment, but that it was actually the best thing he could possibly do was to live and to accept his I fate. I love that. And he, and how Syphysis is a manifestation of humans, how we have this drudgery, you know, every day, every day, cycle, cycle, mm-hmm. cycle. And so Syphysis, or uh, Camus, lays out eight points of, of, of ways in we, which we deal with our stone, mm-hmm. our giant rock. There is acting. There is religion. Religion's included in that, you know. There's sex, pleasure, food, you know, business, the identification of that. All eight of them are so pertinent. And in this book, I was so enlightened to see finally that someone was so introspective enough to address the void. Mm. You know, I didn't see that in a lot of Christian cultures before. I was saying, you know what? I wake up and I want to die. And I was dealing with such crippling depression in that moment that I said, thank you to this atheist because he finally answered the void within me. Um, and so that's kind of when I started questioning the existence of a God because every, it, it, not, not because it was like, oh, there's no God in this world. It was because everyone who told me there was a God were hypocrites. Yeah. And it's like, how can I believe? Yeah. It's like, I was losing respect for these people who, I mean, the pastor of my cult church called me when I was 15, pretending he was his son masturbating and asking you to massage me oh my god you know oh my god and so like that's that's the that's the man i was told to look up to and follow and i I had no respect from then on you know of those people and then i come to this college where everyone's saying they're christians and and i find out that my ra who was my biggest mentor like lied to me and then i almost i got threatened to get kicked out because they thought they thought i was gay they're not kicked out forgive me um they threatened to not give me I was gonna get the RA position and then they thought I was gay and so they said like we can't endanger the girls oh and my god at that point the RD the RA all the staff knew me we had personal relationships they chose to look at that statement of like oh she's gay how will that make us look rather than looking at me and who I was and that just that devastated me because I that's not who I 
kind of thought Christ was. Jesus looked, in, in all the stories of Jesus, he looks at the person's heart, you know? He looks at their heart and he said, you know, and I just didn't feel like it was real. So that was my question. That was my, that was when I started questioning. It was about a year ago. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. It was crazy. But then, um, and I know I'm talking for a really long time and I want to hand the rest no, of your story. it's so good. Um, kind of where I am now is that, so I really sat in that of like, okay, there is, you know, there might not be a God mm-hmm. in Chloe just personally the the, that me freeing myself liberating myself to fall to 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 take that safety net away Mm. of like oh god god's gonna fix everything i'm gonna it it, that's denial and that was you know part of the one of the myths or one of the part of syphysis that he was in so he says you know acceptance 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 Mm. that's the truth that's the true bliss and Camus was always saying, find your heaven, because heaven doesn't exist. Right. So heaven is the acceptance. And whatever your heaven is, find it and hold on to it. So I question God, doubt God, decide, okay, let's look at a world where there's no God. And I've never wanted to die more, because suddenly I realized, ju- even if I'm wrong, even if I'm wrong, even if there might not be a God, I would love to believe in a God and that will be my heaven is just having having a belief in a loving redeeming God who has a plan Mm -hmm. for me and who and and a and a spirit who is you know wanting the best for me and that kind of beautiful fantasy of like I'm taken care of Mm -hmm. and and you know if I'm wrong and if I die and I'm turn into a flower then like so be it at least I can like hold on personally I can hold on to the joy of like I'm chosen I'm loved I'm taken care of by a power higher than I Mm -hmm. so that even when I'm weak and broken and can't get out of bed I still got something behind me you know um and I'll finish all of this by saying um C.S. Lewis who was an atheist until Mm -hmm. he was in his 30s we had a study him I loved it It yeah oh he's incredible Mm -hmm. he um he puts in in the the silver chair um the, the witches, they're in the Underland, and the witch is trying to convince them that Narnia doesn't exist mm-hmm. and that Aslan doesn't exist. And Puddleglum, he says, you know what, you might be right. He's like, I don't really know. I've, I've, I've lost all memory. At this point, it's all just my imagination. And he said, but sitting in this darkness, believing there's nothing more, is so miserable that I would rather be wrong and in my... And I mean, I'm probably butchering it too, but he was like, I'll just hold on to my imagination that there is something out there that's more beautiful than this. Right. And that will be my heaven. And I, I'll be content with that if that's yeah. all I get. So all of that to say, that's my answer in that space of like where I'm coming at my faith. Um, and so it's really exciting because now that I'm coming at it this way, I feel so open to everyone else's answers. Right. Because it's saying, what's your piece? What's your... What's your stone that you're just going to continually carry up that hill? Yeah. And say, this is my life now. And that's the bliss of acceptance, almost. I completely agree. What sucks and which is, what is sad is... I'm okay, this is definitely a personal thing. So if this isn't how you feel, then let me know. But what I feel is that in the world, I just see a lack of it. Mm. A lack of that pure love, that pure joy, that pure kindness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know if that was... Again, I don't know if this is just like a single perspective. But I just... 
never saw it. Mm. And when I did see it, I always question it. Like, yeah. why are you doing... That's what it is. That's, that's the biggest struggle I have with Christianity is I cannot figure out who's being real and who's being fake. Mm. There's people who are so genuine. I mean, you can't... It's so obvious. Yeah. You know, they're genuine. Yeah. But then everybody else, it's like, is this you? Yeah. Why? Like... I grew up in such a small town where everybody just wanted to know everybody's business. So when they mm. ask you how you're doing, it's like, do you even actually care? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, it's also, oh my gosh, I listened to another podcast and um, I feel like this is a good kind of, a good f- note to to come to at the end is that the this man, he's a, a, a professor of psalms and of mm. l- lamentation. And so he just studies, like, the heartbreak from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And he said, the the interviewer asked him, you know, she said, what do you think of all these controversial th- things that are happening in the church? And, you know, what's your opinion on, you know, gay marriage and, and abortion and guns and all of the kind of, again. The hard hitters. The ta- yeah, <laughs> exactly. And he just said, you know what? I have opinion, I have an opinion about all of them, which is an encompassing of all of them, which is that any problem isn't really the problem. He's like, that's just a product of the true problem, which is brokenness yes, and hurt. and fear. And, yeah, and he said, he said you, those are just secondary issues. Yes. And if you just spend all of your time focusing on those, you're not going to get anything done. Yes. But if you say, let's move aside your prejudice, let's move aside your anger, what's really going on? Mm-hmm. And that, he said, has been the most progressive in healing um, because he can say, you know, okay, well, you're a, if you're homophobic, what's the issue? And you find out that they are struggling with their own identity. And I mean, that's a very tab- another very common kind of thing, but, but it's just the fear of though. change, the fear of change, yeah, the fear exactly. of, and he, and he's like, I can't even be, you know, he's like, I don't even, I don't look at these people with disgust because I just recognize they're hurting too. Mm-hmm. And how can I love them and, and be a friend to them and so that they can actually start changing their mind and and opening up instead of just kind of the defense of close 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 yeah. like so i thought that was really i would cool. get behind that movement no that's absolutely yeah. gorgeous I, I love that idea because it's so true i mean mm. my dad my like superhero he always said that whenever you feel you know a way about something whenever you feel like somebody <sighs> You know, I take things really personally, and mm-hmm. he always says, you know, if there's not a first and a last name, then it's not personal. And then he said, whenever you feel like, it's true, whenever he said, <laughs> when you feel like it is personal, think about where that person might be coming from. He said, the root of all things stems from fear and desire. Ooh. And Ooh. he first said that to me when I was like 10. Yeah. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. I'm deep and then as I got older and he just always he'd always say it he's like well were they afraid or did they want something Mm. and it just you really start to think about those things Mm. you know like going to back to that idea of just like what is it where is this anger coming from fear desire it's just it's gotten me through so many hard times it's gotten me through it's gotten me past a lot of negative thoughts you know like yeah 
when you go to work and you're like, oh, my boss hates me. It's like, no, maybe she's just stressed yeah. about something. She's having a bad day. Yeah, she like, need a hug. I know, exactly. You need some milk. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> exactly. Oh. It's just, and that, I mean, trying to like circle it back, yeah. but it, it does go to Christians who don't live a Christian lifestyle. What I mean by that is Christians who don't live to the word of God yeah. who are hate, hateful people yeah. you know and use God's name in vain in that way um, it definitely stems from fear of what if they're wrong some not all mm-hmm. but I'm sure part of it stems from a fear of what if what if they're wrong mm-hmm. but I love I've never even thought about it but I love your idea of well if you are wrong just find the good in what's around you now mm-hmm. build your heaven Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think this is what you meant, but I was kind of thinking about building your heaven could be on earth. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh. You're a piece of my heaven. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listeners, thank you so much for just spending all that time sitting with us. We really feel your presence, and I really am just really grateful for this space to talk with this amazing woman before me chloe and yeah we're learning man (laughs) all right talk to you guys next time